What's up, bros? Siege here. Just giving you guys a little heads up before the episode. This was recorded before the new wave of resistance and protests, but we still want to make sure that our voices are heard and that it is known that we support and we encourage our listeners. Follow the Black Lives Matter movement. Visit blacklivesmatter.com to learn how to donate, sign petitions, and protest safely. You can also check out Black Visions Collective, Reclaim the Block, Know Your Rights Camp, Minnesota Freedom Fund, Communities United Against Police Brutality, and the ACLU to learn more about the cause. Defund the police, Black Lives Matter, and enjoy the episode. When the What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to Brown Meets World. Well, it's Brown Meets World. Your boy Meets World fan cast. This is episode 80, TC. 80. 80. 80. Can you imagine that when we started talking about this show years ago, <laughs> we would get to this milestone? I think there's a lot of things we didn't foresee. <laughs> Way 80 back when. episodes? Bro, Happy Endings doesn't have 80 episodes. What? We're doing great. Is that true? No. You no. need five. <laughs> to get to 100 episodes in sitcoms, you need to do five seasons. Yeah, that's so, right. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, either way, I'm Siege. And I'm your boy, Tony Coitus. Uh, thank you for joining us for another episode. Real quick, right off the bat, I want to point out that this week we will be talking about uh, episode entitled An Affair to Forget. Um, this episode is listed as episode 12 on Disney+, Plus, but uh, it originally aired before the episode Easy Street, which is um, listed as episode 11 on Disney+. Plus. So we will be reviewing according to release date, making this episode 411. And if you guys came to this podcast thinking, oh, I watched the Disney Plus recommended next episode of the Christmas episode, sames. I watched, (laughs) I had the same mistake happen, and it fell off the entire time. I was like, there feels like there should be an episode in between these holiday episodes. And uh, CJ informed me. I went back. I watched this, and I'm ready to rock and roll. Well, so what I usually do is like I I take notes while I'm watching, and of course, like. Things just didn't line up with like the information that I was seeing for the episode and the actual episode I was watching. So I stopped episode um, Easy Street midway through because I did not want that to taint my understanding of what we were receiving in this episode. Um, especially since episode Easy Street is another one for the record books. Yeah, I'm just... Again, when I looked at the uh, episode titles for this season, it felt like there was a few episodes, like more frequently this season than other seasons, of episodes that really stuck out to me as milestone episodes or defining episodes for relationships or story development or whatever. This episode about Corey and Sean breaking up is one of the fucking most memorable episodes to me. Yeah, And it's, it's... I don't even think like... Even when I was watching it now, I'm like, oh, this is a fun episode. But it 
it I guess what it means for the show in general, what it means for Sean and Corey's uh, relationship, it just it really is important, I think, in the their whole development as friends. Yeah, the show itself comes back time and time again to this episode. I am so interested to get your thoughts on how they play the heterosexual friendship. I have notes, sir. I have notes. So I'm really excited to get into this. Okay, so we just jump right into it? Yeah. Uh, let's do the tell me about it. Tell us about it. Tell us all about the affair. Jennifer's around. Beware. Corey shouldn't be right there. Not my best. It's not my best. Hey, uh, you, you know, know what? what? Again, original content every episode. I think, you know. I'm trying, guys. I'm doing the <laughs> best I can. Practice makes perfect. So little practice is happening. I can't <laughs> stretch it, guys. I don't apologize. <laughs> As you said, this is season four, episode 11, An Affair to Forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean is in shock when his girlfriend, Jennifer, dumps him. To try to help him, Corey starts bad-mouthing Jennifer to Sean, but when Jennifer finds out about this, she agrees to make up with him as long as he and Corey end their friendship. In a B storyline, Eric starts his own one-man show. So where do we jump in? Well, um, first thoughts, I was like, uh, we kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier at the top, but I was like, this is the official beginning of Corey and Sean being a couple like this dynamic that we set up that just becomes this ongoing joke of Corey and Sean are like a married couple it's like his other relationship even when it comes to Topanga Sean is the other woman but in a way that is approved by all parties and I think that again it's it's kind of the definition of bromance I think at this point in time we had um Chandler and Joey on Friends also. But I think that relationship and this relationship I feel like they did something similar with them on on Friends. They definitely had like a a Chandler Joey breakup moment. There was that weird season where Joey moved out for a while when he was on Days of Our Lives and Chandler got a new roommate. Like I feel like it's definitely like a trope of sitcoms. But I think more so than Friends, it feels more it feels more heartfelt and genuine on Boy Meets World. That was just like my first thought, and I want to put that out there. Um, of course, as I said, I have lots of other things to discuss uh, when it comes to bromances and the importance of male relationships, specifically these platonic male relationships that start with Boy Meets World, but really go in television, and we get to see several different versions of this, whether it be Trick and JD on Scrubs, or there's the um, relationships that one character is homosexual and one character is straight, such as in Sex Education. Either way, these male bonding friendships, um, I feel like, get their format in this episode. Wow. Yeah, I mean, this episode, like you said, it's it's sets a stage for how these characters are treated in sitcoms. But even more importantly than that, I feel like seeing Topanga's acceptance of Corey and Sean is a really crucial part of this episode that yes. plays a big role going forward. Because Absolutely. there's one point where she's just like, oh, I... As your girlfriend, I understand how important it is for you to have a best friend and a relationship that I can never get in the way of. But 
quarter in the jar for the, going into the future episodes <laughs> here. That is a major concern of hers at the wedding. So it's just interesting that, you know, they're setting up her as being this all-supportive girlfriend when later on that's not really the case. Well, I, I love that you bring up Topanga because I did write down there is this whole storyline of Topanga being supportive for Corey and Sean's bond. Uh, she says herself uh, something that I will list as my Feeney taught me later on. A best friend is part of who you are. And if she is not supportive of your best friend, then she's not supportive of you. And I feel like that rings true then in this episode between Corey and Sean and just in real life. One thing I want to bring up before we get into the um, roll call, call is that this episode was written by Jeff Sherman, who also did Dangerous Secrets, who also did um, Shallow Boy. So Ooh. Shallow Boy and Dangerous Secrets, oh, uh, the, obviously the one where Claire is getting abused and Sean's helping her, um, those were all written by the same guy who wrote this episode. Oh, wow. Interesting. So he has his highs and his lows. Is that what you're saying? I think he has his highs and his lows. Okay, so um, you mentioned it earlier. Let's talk about this this her that we keep referring to, who is our roll call of the day, Jennifer. Yes, our Jennifer, who is uh, played by Christina Loken. Yeah, yeah, and she goes on to become um, the TX in Terminator 3. Bro, hell yeah. She's in the third best Terminator movie. Yeah, well, I thought it was funny that she still plays, like, this badass woman um, who's just, like, destroying men. So I thought that was funny. Well, it's interesting because in this episode, they present her intimidation factor as part of her height, like her being really tall, which is never brought up in the Terminator movie. Like, I never understand (laughs) exactly how tall she is or what role that plays in her intimidation. But in this episode, it's very apparent. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's also part of her allure. You know, she's very much like the supermodels of the time. She's tall, she's thin, she's blonde. According to Topanga, she has... Even Topanga would want to date her. Exactly. So, um, but then also something that is interesting just about this character in the Boy Meets World lore, she eventually will reprise her role uh, as Jennifer Bassett in Girl Meets World as Minkus's oh, really? wife. Yeah. She is the wife of Minkus and the mother of one of the characters, Farkle, in the second season of Girl Meets World. Really? And they bring up the fact that she is the same Christina from... Yeah. Our, well, Jennifer. Jennifer. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's all so acknowledged. Because, yeah, because she comes back next season um, during the Valentine's Day episode with Larissa Olenek and some other chick to kidnap Sean for him breaking women's hearts. Like, that's the episode that I know her reoccurring as. All right, so she gets she gets some screen time, uh, according to this. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Okay, cool. So let's talk about the Jennifer character and her storyline this episode jennifer is a classic boy meets world female villain correct like we've talked about this multiple times in the the uh, course of this podcast that every now and then boy meets world will have a female character that's not topanga who is just so like vindictive or manipulative um, we saw this with that Southern girl that Eric went out with for a while. We saw that with 
the girl who wanted to kiss Corey knowing that he had a girlfriend. We saw this with the girls that uh, swindle Eric uh, on their date. It, it, it's it's just something that we've seen over and over again where women, for whatever reason, just want to screw over men or they're just vindictive and heartless and they're going to do something to hurt people just for the sake of it, which is what Jennifer does in this episode. She is dating Sean just so she can get back at Corey for saying things about her nose. Exactly. And I thought that was very interesting that we see immediately in the storyline that the only reason she gets back with Sean is kind of as a tool of revenge and and this idea of being manipulative and using sex and sexuality just falls right in to the unfortunate way that Boy Meets World tells stories about women. And it's so interesting to see Topanga's relationship with her. Like, there's one moment where... Topanga approaches Jennifer and Sean in the library. And Sean's like, oh, Topanga, you know Jennifer, right? And they look at each other and go, hi. Yeah. Like this extremely fake laugh. And I just died laughing because to me, that was maybe the most realistic thing about the entire episode. Was the fake laugh you give the significant others of the friends that you have that you just don't even like absolutely um what do you think about not only about the fact that she's using of course sex or at least the potential for sex to manipulate sean but this idea of just the idea of women getting in between best friends like what do you think about the the overall issue that boy meets world seems to be trying to address and it's interesting because I don't know if they're saying specifically that, that that's something a, a, a female character does to men. Because I think they had the same thing happen with Eric and Jason when uh, Eric started dating that Southern Belle girl, that Desiree, um, showcasing how uh, a new significant other can get in the way of friendship. So I don't think that they're saying that that's specifically something that women do, but... In this episode, um, she is 100% the reason why Corey and Sean aren't friends. And actually, that's her whole motivation for being with Sean. She dumped Sean at the beginning of the episode. It wasn't until she found this, like, horrific angle to take that she was suddenly interested and it was all just a mind game a manipulation game that she was getting off of in some weird way i don't understand why she even cares that sean dumps her at the end she doesn't seem to like him yeah i agree but what i think is interesting is the scene in the library kind of shows us um the fact that boy meets world is bringing up the issue of balancing friendships and relationships and what happens with a bond between two really close friends when one of them or when both of them are in relationships. They have this whole conversation about we knew this day would come, you know, girls going out and basically having other lives and that meaning that our bond and the time that we spend together just isn't as frequent and as strong. I was hoping you'd come alone. Yeah, I tried, but you know who wouldn't hear of it. I think she suspects. Hey, I understand that she's important to you. We both knew this would happen eventually. Getting older. Meeting girls. Having relationships with those girls. Which means there's less time for... Best best friends friends to spend time together. It's only natural. Sure. Natural. Hey, that Cinnabon was for me, wasn't it? (laughs) Corey, 
And I feel like that's a very relevant topic to bring up in a teen show. I remember having really difficult conversations, really difficult situations when my friends started dating girls, you know, or even there, there are times now with me and my friends, you know, I have my relationship and we just don't see each other as much as we did when we were single. And you have to have that conversation and you have to kind of recognize that things aren't the same, but still make this effort. That's so interesting that you say that, because if you can kind of cancel out uh, Jennifer being this manipulative person, it does really come down to this, you know, what happens when one of us starts dating someone that the other person doesn't get along with? You're right. It's such a universal thing that happens to all of us at some point. And it would have been interesting to go like an episode or two where Corey wasn't hanging out with Sean as much or seeing the effects of that over a period of time versus in just the one episode. I mean, it was definitely humorous. Like their phone conversation that they have is one of the highlights of their whole relationship to me. Um, But it would have been interesting to see that go on a little bit longer and how that would ultimately affect their relationship. Yeah, I think uh, I laughed really hard at the phone conversation, uh, mostly because of the physical comedy and like the clear yearning for each other that they had. But again, it never crosses the line to where it's kind of played that there's any kind of romantic or sexual chemistry all. between I the mean, two of them. I mean, Eric makes a joke where he's like, I want a different roommate or <laughs> I, I want a new room or something like that. Um but you're right. It's it, none of it has a, a a sexual undertone. It really is just about like their friendship. The show is narrating it in a way that makes it feel like a rom com. But that's obvious to the audience. The audience is in on that joke. What we're seeing between them is just a heartfelt like, oh, I really miss my friend. I also think that, as you said, the show is framing it as a significant relationship, and I think that's what's really important is they are acknowledging the bond between Corey and Sean is significant enough. And it also establishes him as being an equal to Topanga in the way that Corey loves them you know what i mean like again it's not a romantic relationship but he loves sean and needs sean as much as topanga if not more so and so i feel like this episode really made it feel like like and i think what did it was that cooking scene where Corey is uh, preparing yes. this big meal to ha- for Sean that he's supposed to come to. He ultimately cancels. But when he's preparing it, his parents are seeing him, you know, work in the kitchen to make this dinner. And he's and they're they're thinking, wow, he is going to put on an awesome date for Topanga. Topanga shows up and the parents assume the dinner is for her. And they're like, oh, he loves you so much. You don't even know how much he loves you. And not understanding that all of this work was for his best friend, not his girlfriend. I love that, again, Topanga herself understood it. Like, it, I think that's what's in, important. It's not that anyone else needed to know. Topanga was the one who was like, why do you think I spent all this time making a pie that I would never eat? Uh, <laughs> you know, she- well, and this also kind of, I mean, touches on a little bit of what we talked about of Topanga being overly perfect, of her being this girlfriend who automatically understands the nuances of a of a male bonding relationship. You know, she there's no hints of jealousy with Topanga when it comes to Sean at all. Is that realistic? I don't know. But when it comes to Topanga, we only see her being the girlfriend that Corey needs 
all the time. Yes. And I, I, I thought of, I had that moment and I was a little bit split. And the only reason why I was split is because it still does ring true to me that someone who has known the two of them for so long, as long as she has, you know, like she's not like one of these girls of the week. It's not like they met in high school or anything like that. Topanga has been with them and seen their friendship from the beginning. And she was present when Corey and Sean were a thing before she even came into the picture. So I do believe that she would understand and just trust that the bond between Corey and Sean was important enough to support. Well, it's it, and it's so crucial to the episode that Topanga be on board with this. Because if at any point Topanga's like, well, that's just what happens when, you know, your friends start dating and maybe you should accept this and maybe or maybe her being like, oh, well, this is my opportunity to hang out with Corey more. Like if she had taken any of those roads, this episode could have gone in a completely different direction. Instead, she is actually the one that plots the grandmaster plan that brings the two of them back together. Yeah, exactly. And I loved it. I love, like, not only does she plot it, and you get, like, this very soap opera-esque confrontation between Topanga, Jennifer, Corey, and Sean, but after after everything blows up and Jennifer and Sean break up and Corey and Sean actually have a moment to be together, they're just like, all right, well, see you later. And, you know, and, like, Topanga's just kind of left there um, knowing that she did the right thing, but... You know, it's not like they actually go off and spend any real quality time together at that moment. So I thought that was funny. This episode was funny in general. Like, I feel like we often talk about, like, the big political concepts, the, you know, ethical issues that they tackle. But there is something about the humor Ben Savage's and Ryder Strong's performance that makes this episode work. It doesn't... It, there's the perfect balance of we understand these people mean something to each other, but there's something sexual there. It, it, there's a love that's genuine and real, and it's all coming from the performances of these teenagers. Like it, it's it's really a shame that Boy Meets World happened in the '90s because I really feel like these kids would be so successful and everywhere if this show was happening right now because their performances are so nuanced and sincere and genuine in a way that I just don't see on a lot of television shows. And so, I mean, whether it's an emotional aspect or just the humor that they bring to it, this cast is just, like, killing it in this episode, I think. Well, yeah, I think that they were successful. And I I understand what you mean. I think that they would be a bigger success and they would have probably more options and and be more of, like, a staple in media. But... Everything I see nowadays in media is very much reminiscent of this type of writing and this type of bond. As I said, they are kind of the early establishers of this bromance that we get in later media. I think of the idea that um, Sean brought Corey the Cinnabon. Um, you know, like Hilarious, that, that, that kind of intimacy of just bringing your friend a treat is not only funny, but I think of like an episode of New Girl where um, Schmidt buys Nick a cookie. And like there's this whole big thing about like just the simple gesture of your friend taking care of you in this small way and what those little displays of affections, what they mean. Oh, my God, dude. There's nothing that these kids can't do. <laughs> like, there is nothing, like, that you can ask of either Ryder or Ben. Like, hey, I need you to, uh, like, we're going to tackle 
Mexican child abuse. Are you down? <laughs> hey, we're going to put you guys on the game show. Are you down? Hey, we're going to dress you up as a lobster. Like, whatever they throw at these kids, they are batting it out of the park. It's really a case of luck that they got this cast that was so diverse that they could do an episode like this that's so funny right after, like, their most in- – I mean, a few episodes after – their most serious episode ever with Dangerous Secret. Like, that's such a dark episode. Yet here we are, these same kids, doing just the most amazing physical humor and um, just the the phone conversation that we talked about. Everything is so nuanced between them. And I just, I, I really think that this cast is the reason why the show is as rememberable as it is. You know what that's called? Range. <laughs> A hundred percent. Ben Savage can do anything, even more so than Fred Savage, because I'm an avid Wonder Years fan, and I know that Fred Savage can't do humor the way that Ben Savage can. It's it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up is this the significance and the benefits. like Because, again, I think this is partially such an important topic to me because not only are you and I doing this podcast and we're two uh, male friends, but then also like just the relationships that I have with my best friend. And a lot of it is built off of, as you talked about wanting to imitate the Korean Topanga relationship in when dating, I think Corey and Sean's relationship is what I used as a foundation or a blueprint in my friendships, my male friendships. And this idea of being able to be close and trusting and affectionate with male, with other males is a reason why I think a lot of guys in our generation were able to redefine that intimacy and redefine masculinity and really bring friendship to the forefront. I looked up an article from psychology today and it was all about um the importance of bromances and they were like here are a few benefits of bromances increased oxytocin pain relief lower cortisol levels it's shown to reduce the amount of stress um, that you get increased generosity and actually opens them up to being more affectionate and intimate in actual relationships um and I thought that that was important because it's we see a girl kind of try to come in between Corey and Sean to establish a relationship when, according to science, um, having your boyfriend having these other male outlets and and I don't know best friends only increases the likelihood of a more successful relationship. So. It's so interesting, too, because I think that we benefited so much from the template of the bromance that we're talking about here. Yeah. Because I think we were the first generation to have that displayed in media. Like, I feel like with my dad's generation or even some of my older cousins, they grew up thinking that any kind of show of intimacy between men was just like, gay like there was like there was no way that straight men could just have like a loving relationship with each other but when you go into the 90s and you're seeing sean and Corey, and you're seeing like will and carlton or just like martin lawrence just crying pounding his chest being like i I love you man like that (laughs) shit was just like it, it made it it normalized it in a way that allowed us to uh as men to show those kind of 
emotions to each other. And I think that that's something that's one of the better tropes that have probably arose from the past few decades in, in sitcoms and in media in general is just what it means, the importance of a bromance, why it's important for men. In this episode, we see that dissected completely. And just in general, like why it, I mean, from from my perspective, seeing what it's like to have a generation that didn't have bromances and the generation that have, and seeing how the two generations express emotion is just fascinating to me. Yeah, no, I love. I think what you said, like by establishing this kind of trope, and it's not in a odd couple situation where it's like I'm kind of stuck with this guy and we're friends. Yeah, I but, reluctantly yeah. love this guy. That's the fucking um, like uh. Uh, Carl Winslow Urkel kind of relationship. That exactly. like I love you, but it's only because like you you were so annoying to me, but eventually you broke me down to the point where I can't live without you. That's not a healthy relationship between men. Exactly. Or the um again, I thinking back to friends, uh the Ralston Chandler friendship where it's like they're close, but also they don't want let they don't want anyone to ever think that they're gay. And, you know, they're very um aware of how people are perceiving them. Whereas Corey and Sean, they don't care. You know, like they're they don't give a shit about it, bro. Not exactly. at all. And you're totally right. Friends did care about that way more than Boy Meets World did. Yeah, absolutely. And even on Saved by the Bell, fucking Zach and AC were constantly at each other's throats, yet they were best friends. Yeah, exactly. And I think that one of the better tropes, as you said, to come out of this is just the freedom and the normalization of having male friend- best friendships um, that aren't aren't toxic or competitive, but more so just important and valued. Eric writes a one-man show in this episode. Do we need to discuss that? Or are, we we switching? Just... are we switching right over to that? Is there anything else you want to say about this, um, Sean and Corey storyline? I don't think so. I think all I want to just point out is, again, like Topanga is the reason why this comes back together. And her role and their relationship and them as a thruple of sorts, like this accepted thruple. I think if Sean were to go along on Corey and Topanga's honeymoon, like no one would really bat an eye about it. Like it just seems like there is just a relationship between the three of them, not just Corey and Sean, but with Topanga there as well. Um, that's really unique. And I think that that's one of the things as an audience that we're openly accepting as we go on in the series is that these three are a three musketeers type of situation. They're not going anywhere. Well, you know, I'm glad you did bring that up because that reminds me of something I thought of when we were talking about Topanga and her acceptance, which is in another show, um, I think it's How I Met Your Mother, there's this episode where Lily, one of the the female care partners, um, she purposely sabotages her husband's best friend's relationships because she doesn't see the people who he dates as fitting into their group. Or there's like this whole thing called, I think it's called the porch test. And she talks about- I know exactly what you're talking about. I know the exact episode. I know the exact storyline where it's Lily- Basically, the girlfriend of his best friend, Ted, Ted, 
she is the ultimate determiner if someone is good enough for him. And she will sabotage some, someone's relationship if they don't pass her specific test, which is very similar to what Topanga does in this episode. So I, I, you're bringing up a great point. Well, did you think it was similar? Because I thought it was different in the sense that they they both showed that they are willing to accept Jennifer, but Jennifer has to accept them as well. The difference between the How I Met Your Mother episode is that um, there's kind of the same demand of like, I don't want you around your friends and everything. And Lily does whatever she can to kind of throw doubt into the relationship because she's like, I don't see them as being the long-term person. Whereas with Jennifer, both Corey and Topanga are like, if this is what you're going to do, that's fine. But I think that you should know and understand you should know all the facts and understand how significant this bond really is. Yeah, Lily was way more invested into Ted's relationships than Topanga is with Sean. She's kind of, in general, she lets Sean go and date whoever and do whatever he's going to do as the single bachelor until it starts to get in the way of a relationship that she understands is beneficial to both Corey and Sean. Like when she sees that a girl's getting in between them as a friendship, she's like, Hey, this isn't healthy for anyone. And that's when she steps in versus Lily, who is more selfish with her response. Yeah. And even when she steps in, she doesn't try to control the situation. She just makes sure that everything's out in the open. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't try to sabotage sabotage um sean and jennifer she just straight up says you should be aware of the importance of this relationship bro we have to do a how i met your mother podcast <laughs> after all of this. that show is just unbelievable when it comes to just like unpacking the nuances well i can tell you that that show does not hold up and it's nope it, not even a little <laughs> bit less than boy meets world and it came out after like a decade after that's what i was gonna say it's like it's almost 15 or so years later and it's somehow less progressive of a show but um I only wanted to wrap this up by saying that we see Sean go to a country club. And apparently he, even when he goes to meet Corey, he has like this little trophy. I'm like, so he's not only going to a country club, but he's winning. And I was like, I think that it is significant that they didn't try to destroy this relationship because even though um, Jennifer doesn't seem to vibe with Corey and she's, as we said numerous times, actively working against them, it's still providing Sean with life experiences that he doesn't normally have access to. And I thought that that was really important. Totally, because – and that's something that the episode doesn't really dive very deeply into. If this episode were stuck in 40 minutes, like an hour-long episode, we probably would have seen more of this. But Jennifer really is of a certain social class that isn't something that Sean typically is exposed to. Him being able to go to a country club, like what that probably means to him and the, the access that he's given by being with someone like Jennifer, you're right, is a huge life lesson for him that no one in the show tries to take away from him. If anything, Corey doesn't even try to make Sean feel bad about canceling dinner. He's just like, you know what, I miss you, but it is what it is. Exactly. And so it's just really interesting to see how everyone is so supportive of Sean and doesn't try to interfere as much as just give Sean what they think he ultimately wants. 
Absolutely. Yay, this is exactly what I was talking about. Okay, so we can hit on just a little bit, and I think it's important because of the end result, the B storyline of Eric and his... I don't think it's important. ...latest <laughs> get-rich-quick scheme, which is his one-man show. Yeah. You're, you're like, I got nothing. The only thing well, you know what's interesting is that it, it's so interesting that Everyone acknowledges that no one wants to hear a one-man show written by a privileged white kid with no life experience. <laughs> I think that's really important. But I also what I what I got out of it is that as usual, Mr. Feeney and uh Alan and Amy are there for Eric. They they show up, they're supportive, and ultimately instead of just straight up poo-pooing his dreams they watch him pursue something and then when it fails he has this conversation with mr feeney uh where feeney uh, once again convinces him to pursue college and a higher education and not only does that put eric on the track that we know he will end up on but it also reinforces as uh alan and amy say the great dynamic that eric and mr feeney have they're great together. They're great together. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think that we really do see some growth between uh, Eric and Feeney's relationship. But ultimately, I feel like this B storyline is a control-alt-delete. Like, it doesn't <laughs> play any part into the A storyline. No one takes Eric seriously throughout. So the only thing to come walk away with, like, if this episode was just Eric's storyline, you would be so bummed out, you know? And so, if anything, I feel like it takes away from this episode that's probably otherwise really great. Eric and Feeney are great together, and I love when they have interactions together, but there's nothing that was revealed between them. There's nothing, there's no wisdom that Feeney gave Eric that he hasn't already given Eric. Even at the end of the episode, Feeney's like, bro, I told you to go to college and <laughs> life experience. Like, I, I I have nothing new to say to you right now uh, other than go to college. Yeah, no, no. I just, again, I wanted to at least reinforce the fact that we are now back on the Eric College um, path. It goes on to play more of a role as, as the last half, as we enter this last half of season four of uh, Eric realizing that his options are limited and him, you know, going back and trying to get into college, it plays a bigger and bigger part as the series goes on. So, I mean, maybe we're dipping into that a bit with this storyline, but ultimately it feels like someone in the writing room saw an ad for a one man show and thought, let's throw this shit in here. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's Eric's character of get rich quick schemes. Okay. Yeah. Um, anything else? Do you have a Feeny Tommy or. Yes, Feeney taught me that if you don't accept someone's friends, you actually don't really accept them. Look, Corey, when you and I first started going out, I never kept you from seeing Sean. Because I understand that there's something about a best friend that no one can replace. You understood that? Of course. Why would I spend the entire day baking a pie that I know I'm never going to eat? Because you're a sweet girl. And Sean deserves a sweet girl, too. A girl who understands that a best friend is part of who you are. And if she doesn't accept your best friend, then she's really not accepting you. Yeah, that's exactly what I took away from it. I really thought that that quote um, was important. Um, how about a bra moment? Um, I, I'll let you go. I don't know that I have one. 
I didn't really. I thought everything about this episode was pretty fun and f- above board for the most part. I mean, again, we get this kind of toe in the line of um, Corey and Sean's intimacy, but it's never, it's never really made to seem sexual. It's only made to seem significant. Yeah, I mean, I guess the bra moment that I have is just that um, Jennifer's whole motivation is to fuck over Corey. Yeah. <laughs> like, that just seems like one of those things that's like, I don't feel like any woman would invest into a relationship she doesn't care about with a boy she already broke up with just to fuck over her friend, his friend. But other than that, the episode's great. And I think I was able to oversee it just because that's, at this point in time, that's about as... Um, cliche of boy meets world as is the inconsistencies so <laughs> totally uh okay um what letter are you what grade are you giving this i'm giving this episode an a i know i talked a lot of shit about it but again i feel like the relationship between Corey and sean the performances we saw from the actors were really strong i feel like this is a really memorable episode like if we were doing a montage of boy meets world's best moments like which they do <laughs> I would include a scene from this episode. So for that, I'm giving it an A. Yeah, I honestly, I too want to, uh, I want to give it an A, but for some reason, I don't know why, A- minus is coming to picture. And I think it has to deal with the not so great storyline of Eric. And I just feel like um, it's a little sloppy in areas, but for you know the what? most part, it's still an A. I agree with that. A minus for sure. Okay, so two A minuses, uh, just so for my records. <laughs> and all right, um, are you ready to move on to homework? Yeah, sure. Um, I saw uh, for my homework assignment, I saw a documentary on Hulu that I would like everyone to see. It's called Three Identical Strangers, and it is about three men who realize that when they're 19, 20 years old, that they are one of three triplets, um, that they were all adopted, and the reasons why they were separated at birth is some of the craziest shit I've ever seen in the documentary. So I I don't want to give too much away, honestly, because I literally got chills watching this documentary. Like, I I bursted into tears at some point. I don't know. I was really drunk. I don't know if that plays a role in it. I don't know if you've seen it or not. Have you you seen it? No, so it's funny. You, I saw the other day on your story that you posted, uh, you were watching it, and I was like, I have always seen the promotions for this documentary, but I just never was convinced to give it a try. And your response made me be like, you know what? I will add it to the list. My response was, bro, it's more stranger things than sister, sister. Wow. the, The most I can like tell people without giving like everything away, but just, just wild shit. Bro. Wow, that's Just very, very intriguing. Wild. I mean, I have to say, uh, it's, as I said, it's on my list, so count me in. And also just to see three identical people who were raised differently and how that made their lives turn out. Fascinating shit, bro. Hmm, okay. Something to consider. Um, my homework is, it's really funny and i feel kind of like cheesy talking about it but there's this um new youtube series that kind of just showed up on my um dashboard one day and i watched one and it just became like this very soothing tranquil thing to watch and it's called primitive unique tool 
Um, have you seen or do you know anything about this? I do not. All right. So let me tell you about this. It's called Primitive Unique Tool. And what happens is the there's one guy, usually maybe two at most, where all he has is like this old stick, a, a primitive tool, of course. And he goes out and he creates these mansions or like these multi-million dollar swimming pools out of nothing but mud. Uh, Bro, I these, have seen this. Yeah. It's a guy literally in the middle of the fucking jungle or rainforest, and out of nothing, he builds the most elaborate pools and shit. I love those videos. Yeah, and they're all in time lapse. Um, usually, like they're in twenty minute videos, but like I watch them in double speed. But the whole thing is to just watch this dude create, literally create amazing architecture out of nothing but time and nature is so calming for some reason and i think it's just like organized during chaos i don't know but it's very peaceful i love it and i recommend it to anyone okay so i've seen him build like underground pools i haven't seen him build any mansions what's the most incredible thing you've dude seen he does he builds like he uses mud to like build a three-story buildings it's like insane he he i saw one where he like made bricks um you see him like make bricks and then he builds like this thing out of the bricks that he's made um there are so i can't even really explain it but like he builds like castles for dogs that he's rescued it's like it's insane the variety of things that he builds um but i think the most interesting ones are definitely the swimming pools and the whole time by the way he's in like a loincloth yeah like, like he's there's in like no shorts. way this guy doesn't have a shit ton of money from the skill set that he has I was like, I was thinking that I was like, this dude has to have so much money just from like the YouTube views alone. Um, but either way, it, it just feels like a lost skill. And it's something that I feel like I, I think this is just one of those things that you do when you're sitting on the couch. But like I was looking at it, I was like, I feel like I could learn this. Like, I feel like if he taught uh, a six-week seminar you could actually learn to go out there a master class yeah <laughs> i feel like you could do it i don't think that i would because i have no motivation but i just it's amazing to see that this is something that you can do like one of the like most minute things is he digs himself literally into like this hole and i was like how's he even going to get out of there and he just ends up carving out steps to get himself out and i was like i didn't even know you could do that that's amazing <laughs> It's one of those, it's the same reason why I've been so attracted to The Walking Dead in this pandemic. It's like, if society were to fall apart, I need to watch people who have skill sets that <laughs> I just simply do not. And this guy being able to build a pool out of mud is just unbelievable. But like, not just a pool, like a luxury multi-million dollar. Like grottos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like crazy shit. Like stuff you would go to like a a five-star resort and see. Exactly. So that was my recommendation. I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, I think other people will too. That is great homework, bro. Okay. Um, anything else? Uh, no. We are into our second month of quarantine. We're about to <laughs> enter our third. I am uh, apathetic towards everything. 
and that there is nothing new, and life is all the same. So that's where I'm at in my Groundhog Day stages of acceptance. It really is getting hard to like even keep track of time because there were like a moment where uh, my boyfriend and I was like, "It's this day," and he's like, "Actually, I thought it was Friday," and we're like, "Wait, what is it?" And we had to check her calendar because. <laughs> and I'm just at the point where I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. it really doesn't matter what day it is. As long as I go to the meetings I need to go to, I, whatever is where <laughs> I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so, I guess this to wrap this up, thank you guys for listening to Brum Meets World. Remember to leave us a rating. Find us on all the places at Brum Meets World or email us at Brum Meets World at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X T R A C E E J T C. You can find me at braver me at dot braver dot me on instagram and guys if you have any thoughts on this episode if you think that you know topanga was in the right to you know in the fear in the relationships let us know if you feel like jennifer was uh as Corey referred to it xanthar the goddess of death i i, I don't know if i have that quote right but <laughs> you, guys let us know what you thought we're interested all right, thank you guys so much. Uh, remember to dream, to try, and to do good. Do some damn good with your time, guys. We all got a lot of it. Do some good with it. All right, later, bros. Later, bros.